0: If you thought Gary Patterson in Burnt Orange was weird, just wait till you see him in Baylor Green. That's right. Gary Patterson is back in the Big 12 and he's going to be an assistant for the Baylor Bears. This is the Big 12 Watch. I am your host, Josh Neighbors. That's coming up on today's program, as is a look at the Baylor Bears schedule coming up uh, in 2024 as we wrap up our schedule previews. We have done the new four schools coming uh, from the Pac-12. We have done the second year schools, obviously remaining in the Big 12 Conference. And then uh, we also have done K-State, Iowa State, Oklahoma State, Texas Tech, Kansas, West Virginia. And now the last two we have to do are TCU and Baylor, Gary Patterson's old school and Gary Patterson's new school. So we'll get to that, but also make sure you guys follow us on Twitter at NWPod365. I'm at Josh Neighbors underscore. Find the show wherever you get your podcast and on YouTube as well. Like the video on YouTube, subscribe to the channel. That's the best way to help us get this thing out there. We appreciate when you all do that. If you guys find us on podcast platforms, five stars is the best way to support and help this operation. We appreciate that when you all do that as well. Okay, folks. So the news came today, I believe. First place I saw it was Sikkim 365, which is the parent company here, 365 Sports. It's our own Colt Barber. Uh, Baylor to add Gary Patterson as senior level strategic consultant. Baylor football head coach Dave Aranda is set to hire former TCU head coach Gary Patterson as a senior-level strategic consultant. Six, uh, second 365 is confirmed through a source. In this role, Patterson will help Baylor staff with breakdown of upcoming opponents while also self-scouting Baylor's offense and defense during the season. Patterson was the head coach at TCU for 22 seasons, beginning in 2000, after three seasons as a defensive coordinator and beginning in 1998, compiled a 181 and 79 record over his time at TCU. Uh, obviously, he basically had the forced divorce at TCU. And then he went over to Texas for a period of time. Or, you know, I think it's like, what, one season. And uh, now he is going to be coming over, right? He was not a defensive analyst last year. He is going to be a defensive analyst or, you know, whatever the hell it is now uh, this season for Baylor. So a couple things here. Uh, I saw some folks speculating, maybe, Hey, that Baylor has hired its interim coach, right? Coach in waiting. The reason why I would push back on that is this, and that this is where I want to start. I mean, the history of it, let's get to all that in a second. But the reason, the very first thing I think it's important to note here is the reason why I don't think this is happening is maybe because all that history, sure, whatever you want to say. But mostly because I actually don't think this role is going to be one where he's going to be on the field all the time. He'll be up in the booth, he'll be breaking down a lot of game tape. This is not a role that you typically see interim coaches step into. Interim coaches, normally, folks, are people who are player personnel, like or, or guys who are somewhat involved with player personnel, right? You want somebody that the team can rally around and that the guys trust and that they can put their faith in, in a short period of time um, and just follow. Right. I mean, like I think Antonio Pierce with the Raiders is a great example, obviously in the NFL ranks Ed Orgeron, a good example, obviously in college Cadillac Williams did this during his time at Auburn. Right, so just guys that these that the players can trust, they have relationships with, they give you a good chance of maintaining the roster if things do go uh, south in some way, shape, or form. So I think that's important to note. And it sounds like Gary Patterson is not going to be doing that. Now, what Gary Patterson can do, and what he has done in the past, is this: the word on the street is that Gary Patterson was intimately involved for Texas in the game planning, in the scouting, for a couple of games. Alabama was one of the games that sounded like Gary Patterson was very much involved in the game plan for. And round one, Texas-Alabama went as well as it could for Texas, considering they lost uh, Quinn Ewers in the middle of the game right? And they got Jimmy or Gibbs and Bryce Young in the very end. And there's no shame in that. We've seen them in the college ranks and now in the pro ranks, both pretty good players. And they lost contain on those guys. Uh, but the game plan all the way up until those points was fantastic. I thought for the Longhorns against the Crimson Tide, at least when GP was involved. So let's give him credit, give him his kudos in those moments also i think the tcu game i don't remember if they they said he was involved in scouting that one but like their defensive game plan for texas was really good they had two busts long kendra miller run i believe and then obviously quentin uh quentin uh quentin jackson quentin uh, um quentin johnston got loose for one on a massive coverage bust uh against texas too and, and that's what provided the win so GP we know he still got it. The one concern I think that a lot of us have with Gary Patterson as it pertains to being a head coach or being, you know, or you know, recruiting all those things is man, how do these older guys how do they manage player relationships? Are these guys set up to succeed at this level as time goes along? And if you all remember me getting fired with Bob Huggins the, the Bob Huggins situation the concern for Bob Huggins was, okay, he's still a decent coach. We know that. We know the guy who can coach some ball, but they're not winning at a super high enough level. And Gary Patterson was not in the end. And also, you wonder about as they get older, like their ability to relate to young athletes. And you know, Bob Huggins' comments were homophobic in nature, and not saying you know he's re- all the players he's recruiting are are gay or whatever. But like, I think you know, if you, if you seem out of touch in one area, it's not, it's not unrealistic to think that you might be out of touch in another area. And GP at times felt a bit out of touch. Now the one thing that he was always in touch with, and this is, this goes without saying like, this guy is basically one of the godfathers of modern defense. He, he invented, how do I take players? How do I take a roster and say, all right, we might not be able to line up four three and play you the same way some guys, can, some teams can. But we've got this collection of athletes. How can we put guys in spaces, in places to make plays? How can we generate pressure from different places? How can we show different personnel packages? How can we put basically a thousand guys in the secondary? How can we make all of these looks different? We've got a personnel that reflect a non top tier program or a program, you know, that was developmental program and, and get the most out of guys. And that's what he did an excellent job of. Right. And so those ideas I think would be good for Dave Aranda. Right. And so strategic consultant sounds like the right place for a Gary Patterson. Uh, and just to mention this too, guys, you know, I'm not sure how intimately involved with everything, but like Dave Aranda here, guys, Jake Spavital comes in. And also, too, uh, Gary Patterson comes in. This this is a guy in Dave Aranda, who is pulling out all of the stops to try and make this thing work at Baylor, and he's be- being forced to. Yes, but like, you know, Neil Brown going out on his sword saying, "I'm going to call the plays." That's great. That's one way to do it. Dave Aranda saying, "I'm going to try different things." Was it forced? Is it not? You No, but this guy is trying everything. And so he's had this history as as this innovative defensive mind, you know, and and I mean a lot of teams have still like just not just moved to this, but I've adapted a lot of parts of what he has done. It's such a common defense that we see run throughout like all of, all of college football. And there's some elements of the pros too, where you see a lot more like four, two, five, three, three, five kind of stuff, you know, just a lot more flexibility as the rules have gotten more offensive friendly and the game has gone more offensive friendly. Right. But, uh, you know, a lot of what Gary Patterson has done is a huge part of that. And, and a huge part of this too, guys, the rivalry part of this like, the significance, the, the cool part about this now is that, I mean, this is now the second school in the state of Texas that T, or that, that Gary Patterson, rather, has gone to. Um, Texas is that big dog that everybody kind of likes to get after. Now, TCU has gotten the better of of Texas a whole lot. And that was with GP as the head coach and also GP on the other side of that. Uh, you know, TCU got the better of Texas last season, right, when on, the, on their championship, or two seasons ago, I should say now, on that national championship uh, run to that game. Uh, and, and plenty of times with GP as head coach, they got the better of them. Now it's going to be funny to see GP on the side of Baylor. I mean, Baylor and TCU, that is a big rivalry, obviously, as, as, as everybody watching this knows, seeing Gary Patterson now on the Baylor side of things in that green at a school that was TCU's is TCU's big rival, right? The The, the kind of on the level rival is going to be very intriguing these schools have had just you know war after war throughout the years and now it just adds an extra layer to this as sonny dykes tries to rebound a tcu program that reached new heights you know after gp took it to new heights sonny dykes took it a level up now they're trying to recover from a bad season going up against dave aranda trying to save his job and also too you add gary patterson to that it makes this thing much more just crazy intriguing uh, and with that, we now get to Baylor and the situation they face this year and the schedule they face this year. We have not previewed their schedule yet, so it's time to do so. This is what the Baylor Bears face in 2024. First four games Tarleton should be a win at Utah, probably a loss. Air Force, and that so uh, at Utah, not a conference game. Air Force at home, very difficult game at Colorado. So you've got a a four game stretch there where you're playing, uh, you know, two teams that had pretty decent years in Utah and Air Force and Colorado on the road. Two of those first four on the road. I think we're looking at a two and two situation. But for for Dave Aranda's sake, if you want to get this thing rolling, three and one is kind of where you need to be. You need to go to you need to go to Air, uh, Colorado and win that game. Because so I look at the next four games, guys. This is where it starts becoming a bit more difficult. This is their rough stretch. BYU at home. It's not necessarily super rough, but you got to win that game. At Iowa State, at Texas Tech and Oklahoma State, that is a rough three game stretch. That is for sure a rough three game stretch. You've got two teams that were bowl games you know last year. You've got them in that in that game. and so you want to see, okay, how does that look, obviously? Is that a rough stretch? Do you look like the Baylor of last year? Cause you're not winning those two games. And if you're the Baylor of last year, you're probably not beating Oklahoma state either, to be honest. Right. And then your final four games that you've got TCU rivalry game, you've got West Virginia on the road, difficult game. You've got at Houston in state, potentially you no know, new rival. You've got that too. Um, you know, so you've got those two games and you've got Kansas, who we know is going to be tough. So this is a schedule where, man, like, I don't even know what Baylor is going to look like. If they're a drastically different team. Yes, I like their chances, but we don't know if it's going to be a drastically different team. Did they recruit well enough? Did Do they have difference makers at enough positions to make things happen? All right. Uh, I don't know if they do. I really don't know if if this Baylor team's got the ingredients to save Dave Aranda's job, but they're going to pull out all the stops and see. I think by September 28th, we'll kind of know once they finish that BYU game, what kind of Baylor team that we've got, and Can Daquan Finn be a massive difference maker because they desperately need him to be. That leads us to TCU. TCU is a team that, hey, they need to pull something out here, uh, you know, to make sure it's not back-to-back rough seasons. And, Guys, they've got a stretch of games in the middle. I think you all know where I'm looking at. That's really just all killer, no filler. So they've got at Stanford, which we'll see what Stanford is, but still, you know, it's a road game to start off the year. And then Long Island. You've then got UCF. You've got the rivalry game against SMU. ACC opponent, two ACC teams, by the way. Stanford and uh, UCF. You've got at SMU and at Kansas. So in your first five games, you've got to go to California you've got to go to your in city rival in city find other city well you know what i'm saying it's in city not the city you all you all in dfw give me shit about that i know what you all you know what you all want to hear anyway they'll then go play kansas after that so look guys they've got a road game against stanford they've got ucf they've got at smu uh, you know and obviously we know they beat them last year but still it could be a tough game again and at ku so that's a rough September there. They need to go three and two in that stretch in September. Middle of the uh, season, uh, I, I think that's, that's doable. Uh, Houston at Utah, Texas Tech, right? And you go two of three there. Then at Baylor, Oklahoma State, Arizona, Cincinnati. So you are getting a lot of your, you know, some of your difficult games at home. At SMU is a tough one, at Kansas, tough one, at Utah, tough one, right? Those are three tough, difficult road games. Cincinnati's a winnable road game, Baylor's a winnable road game, and Stanford's a winnable road game. Three ones I don't like your chances in. Three ones I kind of do like your chances in. And also, I don't hate that September stretch. Oklahoma State and Arizona back-to-back don't love it, but they're both at home. So if you're going to take that, you want to take that at home. And at Cincinnati, we'll see where the Bearcats are as the season is ending. But TCU's another one of those variance teams, right? I mean, I think we expect them to be as strong uh, stronger than they were last year. I'm expecting the middle class, this league, to be strong. I expect TCU to be back in the middle class. But we know Sonny Dykes, he has coached teams up to a high floor before, and so we know they can achieve at a high floor, or excuse me, a high ceiling. So we know that achieving at a high ceiling is also not an out of the of possibility. TCU's a high-variance high team. Uh, Baylor feels like could be a high-variance team, too. If you ask me which one I like more, I like Baylor's schedule more, but I like TCU's team more where I'm at with those two schools. All right, that will do it for today's show. Make sure you follow us on x slash Twitter. I'm at NWPod365, at Josh Neighbors underscore. Find the show wherever you get your podcasts. We're also on YouTube as well. Like the video, subscribe to the channel. We'll talk at you guys tomorrow.